Hey everyone, welcome to the Building a Financial Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial knowledge. This is episode 9, recorded on March 19th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investment advice, so do your own research. So for this week, we'll start out with a weekly market overview. I'll provide my we'll call them hot takes uh, on the market uh, based on uh, some other podcasts and uh, uh, folks on uh, FinTwit that I follow. We'll uh, get into Bitcoin news this week. There's uh, three interesting articles I want to talk about. And then uh, we'll go ahead and finish up with uh, the monthly portfolio review so we can look at uh, sort of how I've uh, diversified my portfolio and uh, changes that have happened since last month. Weekly market review. This is courtesy of Seeking Alpha. Stocks closed out their best week since November 2020 as buy-the-dip investors sprang into action after the market started the week from an oversold position. This week's big move came even after the Federal Reserve raised its benchmark rate for the first time since 2018, as the Fed move was widely expected, which helped embolden bullish sentiment. Investors also weighed a denial that China is considering support for Russia and mixed signals from peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. Technology shares led stock gains after investors endured a $3.5 trillion triple-witching event and a rebalancing of benchmark indexes, including the S&P 500, a combination that tends to spark strong single-day volumes. For the week, the Dow Jones Index jumped 5.5%, the S&P 500 spiked 6.1%, and the NASDAQ Composite surged a stunning 8.2%. So hot takes, uh, and this is kind of from... Again, a lot of the things that I've been reading over the past week and listening to, uh, the general consensus is is that the market was oversold, and this is a a bounce. It could be temporary, and it could uh, sell off some more, or it could keep rallying. Um, It'll just kind of depend on... uh, a number of different things, but uh, if if the uh, geopolitical environment uh, calms down a bit more uh, with Russia and Ukraine, then that could certainly provide fuel for a, a very strong rally. Um, most of that's probably already priced into the market at this point. The Fed is still in- raising interest rates, however, uh, as they... Uh, said in the meeting, they'll continue increasing rates. And I think the projection now is uh, um, going to be six more rate hikes, making it a total of seven, I think, um, bringing the benchmark rate to 1.75%. That's bad for stocks, especially growth and tech stocks. So there's a good chance that the rally in the in the growth stocks will be short-lived and stocks that can 
handle higher interest rates and high inflation, um, stocks that have pricing power will probably do better in this environment. Inflation is still going strong. Uh, commodities, I would continue to focus in that area, buy on dips when you can, but those look a lot more attractive for the medium and, and even the longer term. Certainly you need to have some portion uh, of your portfolio in there. Bonds look pretty terrible to me right now. They're deeply negative yields. Uh, not sure I would want to own much, if any, at the moment. Cash is actually okay right now for short-term protection, even though technically you're losing money in, with inflation. Uh, it's certainly a, a good place to be for a buffer and uh, not a bad investment alternative, and you can even consider it an allocation of your portfolio. Bitcoin is trading pretty close to the low end of its range, so that has some upside potential, although it does tend to trade uh, in lockstep with the NASDAQ. So if the NASDAQ sells off, that tends to drag down Bitcoin. What a lot of us are waiting for is to see when Bitcoin actually decouples from the stock market and, and begins trading on its own. And so far that, that hasn't happened, at least not consistently. I'll get into a little bit more when, uh, when we talk about the portfolio allocation, uh, some of these thoughts and hot takes, but those are kind of the, the main ones that I have for this week. Moving on to the weekly Bitcoin news. Uh, this one here from Bitcoin.com. Coinbase sued for allegedly selling 79 unregistered crypto securities, including XRP, Dogecoin, Shiba Inu. So a little background on this. Um, Bitcoin is considered a commodity and has been regulated as such. But all of the other cryptocurrencies that aren't proof of work and didn't have an initial issuance uh, that was purchased by anyone. Um, there's still a question as to whether or not those are securities or not. Typically, when a, a company issues uh, shares of ownership to people and they buy those with the anticipation of making a profit, those are considered securities. They have to be registered with the SEC and so on and so forth. Um, so this has been an issue uh, for a while. The SEC has been talking about it, but they really haven't come out with any regulation. So therefore this lawsuit is quite interesting since it's sort of heading in that the same direction that many think the regulations are heading in, which again, is beneficial to Bitcoin to the extent that Bitcoin is not deemed a security, which so far it hasn't been. It's been deemed a commodity. Whereas the other cryptocurrencies, especially Ripple, XRP, which has already been involved in a lawsuit with the SEC. 
So here's the article. A class action lawsuit has been filed against the NASDAQ-listed cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase, alleging that the platform lets customers trade 79 cryptocurrencies that are unregistered securities, including XRP, Dogecoin, and Shiba Inu. A class action lawsuit was filed last week against Coinbase Global Inc. and CEO Brian Armstrong. Lead plaintiffs and Coinbase users Christopher Underwood, Louis Overlander, and Henry Rodriguez allege that from October 8, 2019 to the present, Coinbase let customers buy and sell 79 different cryptocurrencies without disclosing that they are in fact securities. The plaintiffs added that these crypto securities are not registered with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state regulators, and Coinbase is not registered as a securities exchange or broker-dealer. That's the other thing, is that the exchange that sells registered securities that the SEC requires you to to register um, itself has to be registered as a securities exchange or a broker-dealer. And so, for example, Charles Schwab, uh, is a, is is has that type of registration, and they can deal in um, stocks and, and and other securities that have been registered with the SEC, but Coinbase doesn't have that. The plaintiffs claim that Coinbase's sale of these tokens violates both federal and state law. The class covers all persons or entities who transacted any of the 79 crypto tokens on Coinbase or the Coinbase Pro platform during the class period. Without registering these crypto assets with the SEC and state regulators, the plaintiff said, Purchasers do not have access to the disclosures that accompany the issuances of traditional securities. Rather, investors receive at most only the so-called white papers, which describe the token, but do not satisfy the requirements for a prospectus under federal and state securities laws. And then there's a whole list of all the securities Uh, the cryptocurrencies that are included in the lawsuit. The lawsuit cites SEC Chairman Gary Gensler several times. The SEC chief said on several occasions that there's not enough investor protection in the crypto sector. He also stressed that some platforms list 50 to 100 tokens, some of which are likely to be securities. However, the SEC has not been actively clarifying which cryptocurrencies it considers securities. In December 2000, the commission sued Ripple Labs and two executives over the sale of XRP, which it said were unregistered securities. Ripple maintains that XRP is not a security. The lawsuit is still ongoing. According to Coinbase's class action lawsuit document, this case is a class action where the aggregate claims of all members of the proposed classes exceeds $5 million exclusive of interest and cost. The plaintiffs seek to recover damages Consideration paid for tokens and trading fees together with interest thereon, as well as attorney's fees and costs to the fullest extent permitted by law. So uh, that's a very interesting development. Uh, Next article, also from Bitcoin.com, Mike Novogratz expects Bitcoin to hit $500,000. Says BTC is a great alternative in economies with poor stewardship. Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz talked about the outlook for Bitcoin and the U.S. dollar in a couple of interviews this week. The biggest thing that's happened in the last 10 years, in in lots of ways, maybe longer, is when Europe and the U.S. said, hey, Russia, those reserves that you thought were yours, they're not really your reserves, he told Bloomberg Tuesday. 
Elaborating on what he meant, the Galaxy Digital Executive detailed, it means the dollar or treasuries as a risk-free asset isn't so risk-free. It's not risk-free if you're Russian and maybe if you're Chinese, it might not be risk-free either. So I think we are entering a world that's unknown where people are going to struggle to figure out what is the reserve currency, he opined. The US isn't going away, the, the dollar isn't going away, but it's not going to be the sole place. So I think you're going to see this hodgepodge of assets, Novogratz described. Gold and certainly digital assets are going to be part of that bucket. The whole world is not going to flip to Bitcoin overnight, but you're going to see more and more people say, I want to have some of my money outside of the sovereign, he explained. Noting that the Russian ruble has depreciated over 90% in the last 10 years, and the Turkish lira did the same thing, Novogratz said, Bitcoin is a lifeline to people in countries with really poor stewardship of the economy. He similarly told CNBC Thursday, when there's bad stewardship of economies, Bitcoin provides a good alternative, a great alternative. While admitting our stewardship has not been great, the executive stressed, if you were in Russia, you would feel pretty stupid having all of your money in rubles. Or if you were in Turkey, you'd feel pretty stupid having all your money in the Turkish lira. The Galaxy Digital boss was asked about his price prediction for Bitcoin. He replied, five years out, if Bitcoin's not at $500,000, then I'm wrong on the adoption cycle. We see an adoption cycle that accelerates. Bitcoin grew so much faster last year, crypto grew than the internet did in its best years in the 90s. I see this going viral everywhere, he shared. Novogratz also commented on the executive order on the regulation of cryptocurrency signed by President Joe Biden last week. He noted, the politics have shifted even on the Democratic side. It's no longer anti-crypto. It's like, hold on, there's a lot of crypto voters. So pretty positive article. And uh, some in the Bitcoin community have said that uh, he's aiming too low with that $500,000 target. But uh Needless to say, that's 10 times uh, the current price. I think it's trading right now around 42000 so it's more than 10 times the price. So that wouldn't be too bad if that happened. And then finally, this is uh, something that actually just popped up on my radar recently, like with today. Um, and uh, this is comments from uh, Ron Paul, uh, who, you know, is a very famous libertarian, also ran for president, um, former congressman. And uh, he's also been involved a lot in, uh, in, uh, to some degree in the Bitcoin community. I think he's spoken at a few events. And um, so he's been following Bitcoin fairly closely. So this article also from Bitcoin.com, Ron Paul cautions government could still ban Bitcoin, says he's influenced a whole lot by history. Former presidential candidate Ron Paul discussed the future of Bitcoin and the economic impact of the Russia-Ukraine war in an interview with Kitco News' Michelle McCory on Thursday. Paul is an American author, physician, and retired politician. The former representative from Texas launched the Ron Paul Liberty Report in 2015 to bring provocative opinion and analysis to the breaking issues affecting our lives and finances, its website details. The former congressman, has repeatedly warned that the government could crack down on Bitcoin. My concern is that governments over centuries have been notoriously very eager to have control of the money. Believe me, 
they will not give up control of the money he described. However, interest in Bitcoin has soared recently with more institutional investors supporting the ecosystem. This week, the Ukrainian government created, creating, created a legal framework for cryptocurrency following the invasion by Russia. It also set up an official crypto donation website. Moreover, BTC is currently legal tender in El Salvador. Paul was asked if he still believes that Bitcoin is at risk of being outright banned or outlawed. He replied, yeah, I do, mainly because I'm influenced a whole lot by history and the gold history and my interest in studying money and some of the principles that Austrian economics teaches about what the nature of money should be. But that doesn't sway me from arguing the case for those who know about crypto, who understand it better than I do, that it should be obviously permitted, but a lot of people don't understand it, so I would be cautious. He further shared, I've been trying to figure out, is Bitcoin more like a stock or a bond or a hard asset commodity? Right now, I would say, looking at different statistics, it seems to trace stock prices, which I would have to agree with him. It's true. In June last year, the former congressman said he wants Bitcoin to be totally legalized to compete with the U.S. dollar and let the people decide. My goal is to legalize the competition and the people will sort it out. Freedom of choice will sort it out, he opined. Uh, so very interesting uh, take there. And uh, many of the Bitcoin community would say that you can outlaw Bitcoin, but you can't really because it's, uh, especially if you self-custody it, but then it would be like when the government outlawed gold, which I think was in 1933, um, you basically had to turn it in. So you could not turn it in and just hide it somewhere in your house or in a safe. Um, but then you would have had to wait, you know, I forget how many years. It was a long time. I don't think it actually was legal to own gold until the 1970s or something like that. So 40 years. Um, so I guess if you could hide it in your closet for 40 years, your, your Bitcoin, then, then maybe it's fine. But you can't really use it. You can't borrow against it. You can't sell it. So um, it would obviously not be a good thing uh, for Bitcoin to be outlawed. Um, it might cause some interesting moves. Uh, people might choose to move to a different country that, that, that doesn't outlaw Bitcoin. You know, that's, that's a one potential, but it's not going to cause a mass migration or anything like that. So, um, but it's just good, uh, good to keep in mind. Okay. So moving on to the monthly portfolio review. So this is something I do every month. I'll also follow up uh, on this with a blog post this week, uh, laying out how I've kind of allocated everything and uh, talk a little bit about changes from, from last uh, month as well. So starting out with cash, um, cash is 6.6% .6 of the portfolio currently. Um, I did increase it. Last month it was 2.2%, so I increased it by 4.4%. I basically sold some stocks and uh, some a little bit of uh, uh, gold, gold ETFs and uh, Bitcoin ETFs I had um, just to increase the cash position a little bit more um, to be a little bit cautious in this environment uh, was kind of the main thing. 
Um, moving on, uh, U.S. large caps is uh, currently at 2.6%. Last month it was at 4.8%. So the decrease was, again, some stocks that I sold uh, to increase the cash position. Mid caps are at 2.4%. Uh, and that's, oh, and again, going back to the large caps, the, the, that's pretty much all in my 401k. So it's, it's a actively managed fund uh, that the manager manages in Fidelity. I don't have a lot of options. Um, so I just kind of went with the best one that I thought. Um, and uh, so far it's been fine. Same thing with mid cap, 2.4% uh, of the portfolio. That's also in my 401k and that's an actively managed mid cap fund. Uh, small cap is 2.4%, it's up a little bit from last month at 2.3%. And again, that's an actively managed fund in my 401k. International is 7.9% this month. It was 8.5% last month, so it's down slightly. That's three different funds in my 401k as well. Uh, there's a um, uh, emer like an emerging markets fund, <clears throat> a uh, diversified growth fund, and then there's another kind of large cap fund. And that actually is looking pretty good now. Uh, I think international stocks have a have a with the with the Fed raising interest rates. I think the international the the U.S. stock market will have some really strong headwinds over the next twelve to eighteen months, especially if a recession shows up. And uh, the international stocks might actually be a, a really good place to be uh, in that environment. So we shall see. Commodities, I have very small, you know, 0.3% uh, exposure. I just have a uh, small investment in URNM, which is a uranium uh, stock uh, or producer uh, ETF. Has a very nice dividend yield. And a lot of folks are talking about uranium being in high demand as Nuclear power gets another look uh, as a green energy source. And uh, certainly in, in a world of $100 plus barrel oil, the, the need to get alternative energy, um, including nuclear, uh, going again is uh, definitely getting everybody's attention. Bonds is 0.1%. Uh, it's very small. I just started kind of dollar cost averaging back into some bond funds in my 401k. Real estate is 29.2%. So that's up from 28.2% the prior month. And again, that's roughly uh, a third of that is in, is in a uh, actively managed uh, fund in my 401k and then the other two-thirds is an investment property that I manage that uh, I may actually sell this summer thinking about it prices are pretty high and I may uh, I think last week I talked about the 
Delaware Statutory Trust for a 1031 exchange. I may actually thinking about doing that um, with with that particular property and get into some institutional uh, property and defer the taxes and hang on to that for the for the long haul. Private equity is uh, 16.3% of the portfolio. That's down a little bit from 16.6% last month and uh, didn't really add any investments this month. I've kind of really wound down my private equity investing here in the first few months of the year, just trying to take care of some other things. And then I'll probably maybe after uh, June, July timeframe, I'll start looking at those again and, and putting some more money to work uh, in, uh, in, in startups. And I'll do like a lot of just small investments in and a large number of them. Again, just, you know, spreading it around, just hoping to find something that's, uh, that's going to be productive uh, without doing a huge amount of due diligence. You know, if you're talking about a relatively small investment, it's probably not worth it. Bitcoin is at 22% of the overall portfolio was 23.2% last month. Uh, the decrease is really due to uh, some uh, shares of GBTC that I held in my investment portfolio and my trading uh, portfolio that I sold uh, to generate cash and uh, but everything else I pretty much left as is. Um, I did hear about a, uh, a really interesting uh, IRA product with Unchained Capital on a podcast I was listening to. So I'm actually in the process of rolling over uh, funds from a, uh, a Roth that I had at uh, JP Morgan uh, that was, you know, it was invested in MicroStrategy because uh, they, they don't really have Bitcoin investments there. I think now they have Grayscale, but um, anyway, the, the way um the way unchained capital works is you you have a multi-signature vault that you create so you take two of your uh, hardware wallets um, you upload the public keys to the vault and then they have the third key and then they have a, a bank who actually custodies the bitcoin um, but you nobody can access the Bitcoin without two out of the three keys. So either your key and, and the um, sponsor's key or your two keys uh, can, can uh, open the wallet and uh, allow you to move, move the coins. So um, the, the costs are relatively low. I think it was $995 to initiation fee. And it was like, $250 a year starting in the second year uh, uh, annual maintenance cost. The trading, Bitcoin trading um, fees are pretty low. So I thought I'd give it a try. So I'm going to roll over my IRA into that and, and see how that goes, my Roth. Um, I already have another Roth that's in the, that's in the Bitcoin IRA. I'll probably leave that there for 
for the time being. Um, been pretty happy with that so far as well. Moving on, uh, gold, silver, other uh, is 8.2% this month of the portfolio was 9.8. And the decrease there really had to do with selling the uh, GDX and uh, SIL, uh, the silver miner ETF and the gold miner ETFs. In my trading account to generate cash, um, those were also up nicely. And so uh, that kind of reduced that. But uh, all my uh, physical silver and gold, I don't, I don't sell. And um, the, uh, the masterworks uh, that I have, uh, the art uh, account is still there. And, and so that pretty much left everything alone except for that one change. Uh, overall, portfolio was up. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> a week ago. I will tell you, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was down. Um, but uh, this last little rally for, for this past week really helped. Um, so I'm I'm up about two percent over the prior month overall, which I'm very pleased with because the last few months have been pretty brutal. Uh, even even with an all weather portfolio like I have. Uh, everything is just getting hammered. Um, so uh, pretty happy with a with a two percent increase uh, month over month, and um, I think the allocations are are working. Um, I guess if I had fresh cash coming in, I might put a little bit more towards commodities, um, maybe scaling it in a bit slowly. Only because commodities, they just, they, they run up and then they, then they just plummet. Um, uh, and so, you know, trying to find an entry point is really difficult. Um, but if you're just going to hold on to it for the long haul and, uh, we're probably going to, you know, if, if the stock market doesn't perform well over the next five, 10 years because of the inflation and, and, uh, and the interest rate environment, high interest rate environment, um, then commodities tend to perform better than, than stocks during during those times, especially high, high, highly inflationary times, which which we seem to be in. Now, some people say, well, uh, you know, we'll have a recession and that'll take care of the inflation. It will just go away. And that may be true. I mean, sure, people stop buying stuff and demand plummets and people, you know, companies have to reduce prices and there goes your inflation, but, uh, and less demand for gas. Um, so, uh, it's true. I mean, a recession will take care of inflation, but that's obviously not the goal of, of the federal reserve or any of the politicians. So, um, what I've heard is maybe, 12 to 18 months away, um, all the indicators are there that we are going to have a recession. Um, but we'll see. That at the same time, you know, you also hear that the economy is very strong in the U.S. and it can handle uh, higher interest rates. But uh, the way the markets have been trading lately, it's uh, it's it's hard to say which way it's going to go. Honestly, that's why the uh, having a diversified all weather 
type of portfolio for me um, helps me sleep better at night and having a little more cash uh, to just as cushion and to take advantage of opportunities seems like, you know, a prudent um, approach in this environment. So anyway, that's the podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, please leave me a like and uh, a comment. And if there's anything that you'd like me to cover, um, let me know. You can leave a comment on in the podcast uh, link. And we will see you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.